Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Hello, and thank you so much for spending your Friday night into Saturday morning, undoubtedly, with us here at Fightful for your AEW at Rampage and SmackDown post-show. It is July 15th. We're so excited that you're here to join us. A reminder to please leave a thumbs up on this video. It helps people find us in the algorithms when they're looking for your AEW Rampage content and your SmackDown content. It helps people check us out. They can join in the chat just like you awesome people are doing right now. Also, a reminder to get in your Super Chats and your Humper Chats. Well, what the hell is a Humper Chat? What is a Humper Chat? Kid? What even is a Humper Chat? Who snuck a crazy URL like that by a dignified <laughs> and classy guy like Sean Ross Sapp? Well, it was his idea to call it Humper Chats, but Humper Chats function just like Super Chats to get your question or statement read on air. But the thing is, we get to keep a little bit more of the money that way. So we appreciate it if you can use that. You're like, Kate, I already have 9 million accounts for so many different things. I know. I know you do. But this way we get to keep more money and Robert and I get a bunch of raises and it's wonderful. So if you could please do that. You can also donate bits on Twitch, which we appreciate too. We are at twitch.tv backslash Fightful Gaming. And speaking of Twitch, you know who else is on the Twitch is the wonderful Robert D. Felice, the dude Felice in the house tonight with us. How you doing, Robert? I am great. I am on the Twitch. I am also mostly just here on Fightful every day. So uh, those raises sound nice. So please keep sending in those super chats. <laughs> we love it. We appreciate it. I mean, it's kind of weird to call this week a slow news week because it wasn't. It's just been slower than Sasha and Naomi leaving and MJF taking a hiatus and all of the stuff with Vince McMahon. But this felt like the most calm week in a while. Um, but we do have so much excitement heading into SummerSlam, heading into Death Before Dishonor for Ring of Honor, a huge pay-per-view coming up. So we are very excited to dig into all of that. We're going to start with AEW Rampage today. For a few reasons. One, it's the preferred mode. We really only start with SmackDown these days when people have something extremely newsworthy that they want to talk about. But to be honest, AEW had about 45 minutes of wrestling in a one-hour yep. show, and SmackDown had about a half hour of wrestling in a two-hour show. So, uh, but how much sports <laughs> entertainment was in the two hours? I, you know, that's a great question. I don't have like my my sports entertainment meter locked up for that, but um, we are going to talk about the in-ring action heavy show first today. Um, feel free to get in those super chats and those humper chats. 
Um, we are going to dive right in with a wonderful humper chat from our friend Joey Bag of Donuts, a fellow Steelers fan like me. He's from Pittsburgh proper, though, and we love that about him. Saying, do you think that Sting is afraid of House of Black? The man bought the Dungeon of Doom, for goodness sakes. We're going to get into that stare down. Um, I didn't I, think I'd be talking about the Dungeon of Doom tonight, but I'm all for it. But here we are, and perfectly relevant as uh, as we kick off the show with the Kings of the Black Throne and uh, Reynolds and Silver, who it was so good, so good to see them uh, back in the ring. I feel like the Dark Order has felt a little bit lost of recent, and it kind of makes sense. Two of the members had their contracts caught come up and they opted to not resign with the company. So it's kind of hard to keep the momentum of a faction going when two key pieces of it are, you know, their, their future is ambiguous at best and they, they chose to depart and that's great, but very good to see Reynolds and silver back in, in action here tonight. Um, I thought this was a really fun opener. It was a real palate cleanser after SmackDown in my opinion too. Uh, Reynolds rolling out of the way of a Brody King chop is probably the most realistic reaction that someone could have to a Brody King chop, uh, other than severe pain when it actually connects. But I thought a really nice piece of storytelling that we don't really see all that often is someone just trying to get the hell out of the way of getting their chest chopped to tiny baby bits. There was a really nice double hip toss. I am of the camp that hip tosses are great and underutilized in wrestling. They're very effective. They're a great transitional move. I feel like you see guys like Ricky Starks using them to like perfectly to a T, but more people need to realize what a great way that is to transition from one move to another. Just some really, really great stuff here. Uh, Malachi breaking up the pin from the top rope was obviously an insane spot here, but ultimately Brody King wins, puts him away with the Dante, Dante Inferno, the Dante Inferno. What did you think of this opener to Rampage? I was glad to see the Dark Order back in there and to, to see their tandem offense was a lot of fun. This was good. It's obviously when you have a character like Brody Johnny Hungy can't do as much as he would normally, but it's good to see them wrestling. I am kind of of the opinion that if anyone was going to keep the Dark Order together, it's those two. But this is the win Brody needed. Brody's going to go into a huge match with Darby, and Malachi's got Miro waiting in the wings. And I think that this is the right move for them. And Reynolds and Silver, they'll bounce back when they need to, but I think... For now, this is the best spot for them, putting over people who are going to be in major matches on TV and pay-per-views. I like this, and we'll talk about the post-match in a second, but I also just want your opinion on a few things. Um, the first is, what do you think happens with Evil Uno, with Stu Grayson being gone? Do you think that they should rebuild the Dark Order with more members? Is there anybody that you would like to see added in, or do you think they just run with a little bit smaller of a team here? So I was of the opinion that I thought... In Rochester, it would have been the perfect place for them to say, Brody forever, we're all going to go our separate ways for a while, but we're always going to be the Dark Order. I thought it would be smart for them to go separate, but I think if they're going to stick around, they should build with more members because there are people who still need to get used. You know, get uh, J.D. Drake in a spot. Sure. Get Sunny Kiss is still not on TV. I don't know if she fits in the Dark Order. She's more of a baddie, but get Sunny Kiss on TV. If you're going to have them around, do something with them. But I think 
you build it around 10 because Preston Vance is really, really good. Sure. And what, a couple of things that I liked on commentary that I wanted to call out as well. I liked them clarifying that they're still friends with Adam Page. That was what kind of got set up in the Royal Rampage and how this uh, angle started to develop. So I really enjoyed that piece of commentary and basically them saying that they are still a unit. They are still working together. So it was just nice to have that clarity because I think they've been a little bit directionless as of late. Um, I think House of Black just continues to, to roll down the mountain in the most magnificent way. They, I want them to be my trios titles holders so bad. I think they're so much. Well, we got to get those belts first. I we like that. Do. There's a lot of teams laying claim to those belts, but we got to have them first. There definitely are. There definitely are. We need uh that division just seems so obvious. I think they really want Kenny back. So uh, for that to happen, it's going to take a while because Kenny, his just whole self is in repair. He seems like I keep saying that he. Kenny Omega seemed like at the the end of his run there, like the guy from Monty Python, the just a flesh wound guy who just had lost all of his limbs. Like Kenny Omega has a lot of healing to do. So, um, but after this, we get some more seed sown that was fun in my opinion. We see Darby Allen with the beatdown of Brody and Sting and Malachi in a stare-off that was teetering on sexual tension. That's the only way that I can really put it. But no. Uh, I- <laughs> I, you know, eyes. Kate, I didn't get that from Malachi <laughs> no. and Sting. I mean, that, that face paint hides a lot of emotion, though. God only knows he must have been sweating under there. But I I think this is great. I think this is great for Sting. One of my favorite TNA bits of Sting was when he was having these weird casket matches with Abyss. And he's he's got the, you know, religion ties. He can get into this if he wants to. I think it's a good way to use Sting while he's still willing to have matches and jump off of perches. Yes, I agree. Jokes aside, I thought the stare down was really fun because so much of Sting's career, and I started watching wrestling late, but even when you go back and watch, I feel like a lot of wrestling can get aged really poorly. Like I've been on record plenty of times as saying I feel like most of the Attitude Era does not hold up well. There's a lot of stuff from Hogan that... um even though I acknowledge the value as a fan and am a macho man gal myself, like stuff that just doesn't fit. Uh, Sting has had a presence that he's built his whole career around. And I feel like that is just something that he's had that never really goes away. And I feel like Malachi is such a unique blend. I've said this before too. So sorry if it's redundant to our, our loyal uh, tuner inners here, but I, I feel like, a lot of people have like otherworldly characters to compensate for the fact that they're not great in the ring where Malachi Black is both phenomenal in the ring and a great character. So he also is oozing that presence. And that's why I love this collision of these guys just kind of staring each other down and sowing those seeds. I think it's so much fun. So very cool to see this. Uh, I, I loved it. I thought it was a fun opener and also appreciated that they mentioned that Silver and Reynolds were in the rankings too. That was just a nice thing. Whenever those get brought into relevancy, I appreciate it because I hate the rankings because they're never used right. So when people do use them properly, I appreciate They're used in the women's division to say, here, we don't want to build a story. She's the number one contender. Yeah. Have at it. So they're, they're, they're used. But I do like that Reynolds and Silver are in there. But I think before AEW 
before two years from now, Darby and Sting will have one run with those titles, and I hope that it's soon. That would be really fun. Um, there's there's so many possibilities that this can go because there's so many stables, and I love usage of stables when it's done properly because there's no more natural of a story than my friends hate your friends. Like, <laughs> like you don't like me. And so my friends don't like you or your friends is a very natural thing. And you can build singles feuds out of them. You can build tag feuds out of them. You can build six man feuds out of them. Really, really fun. But we have some more super chats and humper chats coming in. We appreciate you guys and all of the support that you give to us. Um, Collins on the rock saying, Kate, you look fantastic tonight. Well, thank you. Hasn't watched either uh, show yet being in the Pacific Standard Time Zone, but is excited. Love to you. Well, thank you so much, Collins on the Rock. What a positive comment. I know. I appreciate Well, we peaked. <laughs> yeah, that's the show, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, somebody Less said than something 12 minutes next. in and we peaked. So that's it. We're going to wrap it up here. Thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, Joey Peck of Donuts chiming in again saying, Kate is a pillar of Fightful. And Robert's impersonation of Sean Ross Sapp is perfect. It is. Thank you. Thank you. Pretty spot on. Pretty spot on. Um, uh, Ollie Dan timing and saying Malachi Sting is something I didn't know I needed. Well, that is something that I find consistently happens with uh, AW in general. One of the plus sizes of having a roster that's so big and one thing that's really nice about the way that they rotate talent is I feel like there's matchups you didn't know you needed. And then on top of that, things don't run stale as quickly because people more or less are on TV every other week other than certain things, right? So while some stories I feel like AEW really runs long in the tooth, namely anytime the inner circle did anything, I felt yeah. like those dragged on for so long. Um, but the, the plus side of that is when you do kind of clear those hurdles, like there's all these little hidden feuds that you, you didn't know you needed. And that, that's certainly one of them. Um, but we will move on to this video package that we got from the God hater Miro on House of Black. Please. And thank you as our wonderful moderator, Luis, who is so wonderful and keeps things from being chaotic around here on so many different levels says, uh, Miro versus House of Black. Literally everybody in that faction is something that I am interested in seeing. I love these promos from Miro. They feel so um, just like sincere and they avoid being overproduced. And this is something that kind of came out of the, the Mid-Atlantic title belts feud on Forbidden Door. Oh, like Mid-Atlantic, something else. I always say Mid-Atlantic, all Atlantic um, title because... Uh, we saw in, in the four-way that was set up there when Pac won, which I thought was a surprise, we kind of saw the beginning of the story get sewn, right? Uh, Miro versus House of Black is something that I want to see because I want to see every single person that's in House of Black against Miro. And House of Black's strength, in my opinion, is the fact that you have three very different guys um, holding down the fort there, right? Like Brody King is so different from Malachi, is so different from... Bud Matt, I can see Bud Matt and uh, Malachi having similarities, but I think the first thing I think of with Bud Matt is his selling ability is just so insane um, that I, I can't wait to see that with Miro. What do you think of Miro versus House of Black as a unit and the story there of the Redeemer versus these guys um, and then what the individual feuds would look like? 
Well, Malachi is the devil reincarnated, and Miro is rooted in a very genuine love for this nondescript god that apparently has the keys to his house. So yes. I think there's <laughs> so much there that you can get into, and then when you get into the matches, Malachi is going to provide the speed, Brody, obviously power versus power, and then Buddy is everything. He's the perfect mix of both, and I think the vignettes are going to be more fun than the matches, and that's saying something, because the matches should hump. Yes, I think that's such a perfect story, and like, again, something that feels so obvious that I didn't really think about until that four-pack. Uh, I'm I'm very excited. Very excited for that, and just excited to see Miro back. He was gone for a while because of injury and because of filming and some well-deserved time off, so I'm really glad that he's back in, in general. And I think this is the perfect re-entry feud for yeah, I didn't him. worry about him. Like he he can't go home. Like I'm I'm very concerned about his marriage. <laughs> you know, his wife won't let him in the house. I'm it's genuinely rough. concerned for him. It's rough. His hot flexible wife, as he's told us, uh won't let him in the house. Um, we have a super chat from Sky Singe that I didn't know when to read it because it could be read at so many different points in the show. But for me, this felt like an appropriate place to read it. Sky Singe saying, every Friday I'm asked if I'm ready for a good time and then the good time starts at 10 p.m. <laughs> well, yes. There, it's I, a pregame. It's just a very boring pregame, but we'll get into that later. A, a pregame that's two hours to the one hour game is kind of a, a rough sell, but... We'll get into that in a little bit. I say that because the good time for me really, really picked up right here with Jonathan Gresham defeating Lee Moriarty. Um, Matthew Makovsky typing in saying, despite reading the Gresh versus Claudio spoiler Wednesday, I still popped massively. Claudio for OH world champion. Also, go Dodgers, Kate. <laughs> All right. My Yankees are in a rough patch at the moment, but go we have like a we have a 14 game lead in the division. I'm not all that concerned, but um, let's start with the match and then we'll get to the big Claudio reveal later. We did see Claudio teased in a video package a couple weeks ago, um, but let's dive into this match. We saw last week on Rampage that Gresham turned on Lee Moriarty, his tag team partner, his buddy, his friend to join Tully Enterprises. I had concerns that remain concerning about Tully Enterprises, but as far as this match goes, holy cow. Uh, let's also talk about Caprice Coleman on commentary, bridging the gap between AEW and ROH so, so well, in my opinion. He contextualizes everything that ROH had been doing to get to this point, in my opinion, extremely well. Um, but I thought this match was just fantastic. I don't have that many spots written down about it because I was just glued to my television. And when it's such a highly technical match, I don't really have spots to call out, except, of course, um, a, a, you can't not call out a dick slap. I think that's fair. We see a low blow <laughs> from Jonathan think, Gresham that was not as low as they normally are. I got to say. You know, that's because he's a pure wrestler, Kate. You know, and even if you're going to cheat, you don't really got to go all the way low. You're just going <laughs> to give a little dick slap. Uh, I did really like that they respected the code of honor, which is an ROH thing of shaking hands beforehand. Yeah, um, but I think Gresham should have been the one that was aggressive going into that because you're the heel. I don't understand 
why he's joined Tully. They haven't done a great job in explaining why Gresham is just like, hey, let me join Tully because, you know, he really turned Brian Cage's career around. Like, I, I don't understand the mode and what he's thinking. Oh, I want to be on Rampage. Well, Tully hasn't been on the shows either. Why are you joining Tully? There are a few things that concern me. I actually liked Lee being the one to attack Gresham out the gate because he was the one that got turned on. And I feel like there's been so much talk about how Gresham is the best technical wrestler in the world in the name, like alongside Brian Danielson, right? Claudio, guys like this, that I feel like it makes sense for Lee to be like, you turned your back on me and I have to defend myself. And uh, I'm sick of your name being in this conversation. So I dug it. I can understand why logically it would make sense for the heel being the one to jump that. Um, so I agree with you. Little things that were done so well in this match. Uh, Lee Moriarty, just little stuff. Arm drags, like very, very clean. Very, very good. Gresham had an awesome perk on Rana. And that octopus finisher is so ridiculous. Uh, a fantastic way to, to submit people. But like Danielson, he has so many different ways that he can put you away that for me, as a viewer, that makes me so much more bought into the match. I know technical matches can get dry for a lot of people, and I, I understand that because me as a wrestling fan three years ago would be yawning. Like, I was not at this, this advanced level of nerdum, but now that I am there, the idea that the match could end in five or six different ways adds so much depth and dimension to me. We've seen Danielson doing this repeatedly, too. He was using triangle chokeholds to put people away, like... So, A, I'm very excited to see Gresham and Danielson someday because that's just going to be one of the best matches of all time because these are two of the best technical wrestlers of all time. And, B, I just love when matches can create near falls at so many different points because guys can use so many different weapons to put people away. What did you think of the match? And then we'll have a whole discussion about Brian Cage and Tully Enterprises because it's warranted at this point. <laughs> the match itself was, of course really good you know Gresham being angry I think he deserves to be angry he won the title at final battle he had to watch Bandito claim to be champion for <laughs> a next the next four or five months and then he wasn't really on the program so I understand it I just think you could have done a better job explaining okay who is Tully Blanchard why does he create champions because in truth the modern audience knows that he was paired with Sean Spears, went nowhere, and he was paired with FTR, and while FTR swooned over him, they didn't really explain why and how it was so important. I think, you know, explaining that Tully was a NWA National Heavyweight Champion, was a TV champion, has beaten names like Dusty, Magnum, like you could have done it, and I know that Tony Khan has it in him to tell these stories. I just hope that they get there. The only funny visual to me is that Tully was really okay with just walking out alongside Cthulhu as Gresham's got the <laughs> little octopus head on. He was just, yeah, this is normal. This is wrestling now. This is a super normal way to go about things. Um, guys, get in your super chats and humper chats about this and any of the programming that you saw tonight. We appreciate you. Also be nice to our moderator, Louise, over there. Uh, <laughs> so... Let's have the discussion about Brian Cage because it felt like the whole reason Tully Enterprises was being built was for Brian Cage. They re-signed him after, I think, a lot of people, and it sounded like, based on news from Fightful Salon, 
that Brian Cage didn't think he was going to get re-signed. He hadn't really clicked in in AEW, and that's not to take away from anything from him as a performer. Like, he's not necessarily my dude, but I completely understand where he fits in wrestling. Like, he is so fast for a dude his size. I think there's a lot of appeal for Brian Cage in AEW, but they re-signed him. It certainly seemed like they were building out Tully Enterprises to focus on him. And now Jonathan Gresham seems so far away from Brian Cage. And I, it's not, it doesn't, for, for me, and this is only for me, it does not feel like, like Brody King and Malachi Black or anything like that. Like they feel too different that you're like, I don't buy that these guys hang out and would both be under Tully's wing. Right. Um, so it just doesn't feel like there's anything cohesive about this stable. And we haven't seen Brian Cage. So I don't know what's going on here. What are your thoughts about this? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. We haven't seen Brian Cage. We don't know why that's that pairing was a thing. We don't know why Tully Blanchard Enterprises left AEW other than FTR fired him. Okay, that doesn't mean he couldn't find a client within AEW. I just think they need to do a better job of explaining. I'm hoping after Death Before Dishonor, we get more announcements on Ring of Honor TV, and then we can get straight buildup for Ring of Honor. I do think Tully and ROH is a great idea. I do think ROH not having TV worked out yet is part of the muddiness in general um, and why you didn't see a build to this pay-per-view until kind of late. Like, it's tricky. There's a lot of things to balance right now, but there is really no explanation about Tully Enterprises in general. You're completely right about that. We've got more Super Chats and Humper Chats that have rolled in. Not just saying that. I look good today, but Robert, some compliments for you from Dr. Bogan saying, I've had so much Robert recently, and it made me miss those three-man Wednesday shows. This man's smile competes with the best bangs in the business. We don't compete, all right? We're a two-man power trip. Yeah, it's just like we compliment (laughs) each other, but I thank you. And yes, I'm always glad to be on camera whenever I am needed. Wait, ready? Let's dual cheese grin. Look at us. God, we look good. <laughs> Russell Vibes with Raymond Blade chiming in saying, loved the match. Moriarty's stock keeps rising. Well, let's talk about Lee freaking Moriarty because we talk a lot about Jonathan Gresham. Lee Moriarty, I thought, was such a great signing, and we've seen him kind of weave in and out. Um, we <laughs> we have a super chat from Orion Ben saying, Kate, admit it. You prompted Stokely to make an offer. I did not... Okay, but I have been firmly on the side of Stokely Hathaway should have a bigger blueprint than the baddies at some point uh, in AEW. He's just too valuable of a guy to not pair with more dudes that are at the level that Lee Moriarty is at. Um, I love Matt Seidel. I think he's great. I don't think him being in this mentorship role is something that is necessarily the best use of, of Matt Seidel. So I love the idea of Stokely trying to kind of swoop in. I think that's real, real fun. And Stokely's always just out trying to grab a buck from people, right? So I think him expanding from the baddies into these male storylines is great. I think that Lee Moriarty is is absolutely a baddie. So I think that's awesome too. But um, 
Robert, what do you think about Stokely expanding this quickly already? And what do you think about Lee Moriarty being a prospect of his? This is great. I, I'll tell you what I think, though. I feel bad for Seidel. Seidel is just this happy guy who's just trying to, like, get everybody to understand peace, love, and pro wrestling. And he had Leo trying to take away Dante. He had Team Taz trying to take away Dante. Now... Yeah, Stokely's trying to take away Moriarty. Like he's just trying to be a happy guy, and they just they don't want that for him. I don't know if Moriarty can be a good heel, but I think if anyone can do the talking for him, it is Stokely. Yeah, that seems like a a really nice fit, and I just appreciate too. Like I feel like AEW had a lot of old white guys as managers, and we've seen some real growth in that in Stokely. Sanjay Dutt, I think, is so fantastic and not um i don't want to say not getting his due because i think people are very excited that he's there but i think you're gonna see a lot more from sanjay Dutt. i think he has a great mind i love a good smart mark sterling i love tony too but i think there's there's a tremendous amount of value in like a diverse array of types of managers that you get on screen i love the funny ones i love the ones that walk the line between being funny and serious and i love the guys that just want to curate winners like william regal like how much fun is that so um i'm i'm all for it i think this is great we have my mark order uh podcast co-host ryan sullivan chiming in to say that rob is greater than kate uh, not, not a great co-host if they're gonna come out here and pay money to say that so uh thank you Thank but, you, you for, for the money. If you could make it $10 next time, yeah, uh, that would be more helpful. But also, I brought you into the Mark Order podcast, and I'll kick you out, so it's fine. Hey, uh, general reminder, don't be an asshole in the chat. Just going to throw that out there. Uh, <laughs> so we also set up uh, Lee versus Dante, which I think will be fantastic. I'm looking forward to that. And we get some updates to your Death Before Dishonor card, which... Thank God for Louise, because uh, I was messaging him like, can you organize this for me? Because Excalibur reads so quickly. It's as if he's reading like a car sales ad. He doesn't take legal any legal. time to breathe at all. No. I feel I feel for that, man. That is like core strength that I will never know. But so far, we have Wheeler Yuta uh, versus Daniel Garcia, which I can't imagine that's not going to be great. Uh, FTR versus the Briscoes. Two out of three falls, which we saw in a, what I thought was an awesome piece of uh, social media wrestling cinema <laughs> get set up today. We've got Samoa Joe versus Jay Lethal and Mercedes Martinez versus Serena Deeb, which I think is going to be just fantastic. I kind of hope that Serena comes out champion there because I think her as an ROH champion could help so many young women as they fill out that division. And of course, today... We see Gresham versus Claudio get set up. If you were at final battle like I was, or you were staying hip to any of that that was going on, um, I think that you saw that they were setting up this like best in the world stuff. And it was kind of leaning like it might be uh, Danielson and CM Punk. Obviously, we have the injury to Punk and an injury to Danielson, but Danielson coming back sooner than later. They quickly pivoted this to be the best technical wrestlers in the world, which I'm the biggest CM Punk mark ever, but I think Gresham versus Claudio is probably a better match and an all-timer. How are you feeling about this card? What I love about it is it still feels like it's leaning into the direction that Ring of Honor was in. Um, even though some of the talent has has changed, it's, it's still leaning into the feel that Ring of Honor has always presented. 
Right now, first of all, I think Claudio will win. I'll just put that out there right now. Ooh, I think Claudio okay. wins the world title. I think Tony made it clear he had Claudio in mind for a Death Before Dishonor debut. And now that he's got the boost of AEW TV, I think Claudio as RH World Champion is a great benchmark. But this card looks amazing. And it's got a lot of AEW people on it, but it's got a lot of people who could easily transition to just being RH. Like Serena Deeb, easy. Just put the belt on her. She's over in ROH. Um, FTR versus the Briscoes. What? The first match was so good. Two out of three falls can only be better. And then I think Garcia and Wheeler Yuta won't let anyone steal the show from them. And they'll rightly steal the show for the pure title. I I think you're right. I think it's cool to see the span of generations that you're going to get an ROH and assuming it's going to be pivoted to be like a developmental situation for AEW. I think someone like Serena Deep is just the, the perfect call. We've got my co-host Ryan <laughs> chiming back and saying, I'm a great co-host. I just rank Kate appropriately. And here is more than requested. Uh, I will say Robert is a better host than mine. If you send in $50, God, see, God. here's the thing. I win either way. Cause either he doesn't do it. Or I made us fifty dollars. Or you're the I better co-host. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm. I mean, I'm I mean we're clearly it. getting a masterclass here in how to properly game the system. Good job, Kate. <laughs> if there's anything I do, it's work. You know what I mean? So um, I'm very excited for this card. I can't wait. Um, a reminder to get in your super chats and your humper chats. Today is also brought to you by our fantastic sponsor NordVPN, and we're gonna. Get to more about them in a little bit, but I also did just want to point out that um, we have StarCast coming up and that we're going to have some boots on the ground there coming up in a couple weeks. So we're going to have more information about that coming down the pike as well. But we got a Christopher Daniels promo, Robert. And I'm going to throw this over to you, actually, because I was just so excited to see him on my screen again. But I'm going to throw it over to you and get your thoughts first. So Daniels, if you don't know, Daniels and Joe, Smojo, have a great rivalry. And he called him one of he called himself one of Joe's best friends, said that if Lethal doesn't stop bringing up Samojo's name, Daniels will take it upon himself to slap it out of his mouth. I think that Daniels was unfortunately overlooked when he was really, really good. And I think that Ring of Honor and AEW will allow for Daniels to get one last run. And I'm all for Daniels versus Lethal at any point. Yeah, I'm really glad that SCU at least got a little bit of spotlight for a while because I think a lot of people learned who they were and what they could do out of that. I also think that the impact relationship helped a little bit putting spotlight on those guys. But Daniels could still go. Frankie Kazarian can still go. So I think that's super fun. And just an invaluable guy, I think, backstage in a mentorship role, whatever they choose to do with him in and out of the ring, I think is great. But this was a fun little promo, and it caught me by surprise. I was excited to see uh, Daniels on my screen again. Yeah. So we're moving along here to Athena and Chris Statlander defeating the Renegade Twins, Robin Renegade and Charlotte Renegade. Um, It was the squashiest of squashes. Athena's O face is such a great finisher. She looks better than ever, man. The height that she's getting. What a name! I, oh, I wish there was another a... certain sponsor. Well, I... uh, what a what a name <laughs> on a Friday night. 
a Friday night O face just seems like the perfect name. But Athena's great. Statlander's great. They are way too good at this tag team thing to not be developing a women's tag team division. Quite frankly, those are cursed. I don't want to see it anywhere in wrestling right now because they're they're just cursed in 2022. But Athena's great. Stat is even better by the weeks. And this is a great story that isn't around the main women's title. And I think that's what's most important. Yeah, so after this match, we see the baddies do a heel run-in, which was a little weird, to be honest. The way that they cleared the ring as heels just felt like a little bit reversed. Yep. And I was a little bit confused by it. This is the first misstep, I think, that we've had with this story. So I'm a little bit more forgiving of it. Um, and I, I still like that this feud is continuing down the mountain a little bit. Um, but basically, after after the win here, we see interim baddie Layla Gray come in. Um, and followed by, uh, we get Jade and Kira. And, of course, Stokely breaking up all of the tension that was there. But... I don't know. This just felt kind of booked in reverse to me. As far as the match and the post-match beatdown goes, did you kind of get vibes that this was a little bit of a sidestep like I did? All it did was establish that Jade is right. I think it was supposed to feel like Layla was a distraction, so she's proving her worth. But it kind of came out like Jade hit the ring. Jade beat them up single-handedly, and there's no need for a second baddie, let alone the first, because Jade handled it. I feel like it felt it felt wrong, but AEW doesn't need to follow traditions all the time, so I'm willing to see where it goes. That's fair. I I didn't love it. Um, again, I'm so excited to see that we have like women's long term storytelling happening. That I'm trying to look at the upside that is here, but I do feel like it makes your faces look kind of lame. Like, I feel like Jade is the one with the title and she's firmly in control. Like there was no need to make Athena and Chris look weak. It just felt a little bit off to me. Um, But again, like the story has been pretty perfect up until this point. I really hope that it's Chris to be the one to dethrone Jade. I feel like Athena was initially brought in to do it, but Chris has grown leaps and bounds. I think this is a title that should be defended frequently, which it is under Jade. Don't get me wrong. Um, But I feel like Chris is just able to put on, not that Athena's not either, but I feel like she should be rewarded for how much she's grown and her ability to work with just about anyone has been something that's been really consistent in a division that has been extremely messy. I'm very, very critical of the AEW women's division. You guys know that. Um, and it's because yeah, you should be. I mean, they they yeah, deserve it. Some spots. It's it's been it's been messy, and um, it's a disservice to the performers, right? It's the same way. We'll talk about SmackDown later, but when you see the caliber of talent in the ring and in the women's division, you've seen so much growth in the caliber of talent, and then for that to not get rewarded feels icky to me. So I'm hoping that the way that the crowd is behind Chris um, and the way that she's just grown so tremendously. Like I think she's been my favorite women's performer since she's come back from injury. Like just so, so great. Um, I, I really hope they give it to her. I also feel like it's kind of odd that both of your titles are wrapped up in tag 
uh, action yeah. when you don't have a tag division necessarily. So I love the Thunderstorm thing. I think it's a really smart way to keep the title on Thunder Rosa and keep Tony Storm looking strong and relevant. And to keep them both as faces, you need credible faces at the top of the division. Um, and you also have Chris and Athena working together as a face tag team, essentially against Jade and Kira and whatever interim baddie you might have. Um, do you feel like, I know people feel like it's belt heavy in AEW, but you also have to recognize that the women's division only has two belts and the men's has a world championship and interim world championship, the TNT title and tag titles, and now the All-Atlantic. Um, what What are your thoughts on a, a tag division belt? I, I mean, think it's I something mean, that could float between ROH and AEW. I'm open to the idea, but I really believe that between the knockouts, WWE, NXT, we've kind of seen that women's tag divisions, while they're great and provide more opportunities, they're not really booked properly, and they don't have enough teams ever to fill a proper division. So then it becomes, well, here we have to do something with these because they're here. And I'd rather AEW wait on that until they're ready to properly book women's tag teams. I think that's fair. I think uh, a floating tag belt between ROH, if it's going to be, if women's wrestling is going to get treated as seriously as it was in ROH when Maria Kanellis was in charge of it, which was maybe the first time in ROH history that women's wrestling was treated that that respectfully, not to take anything away from um, Alice in Danger and, and a lot of the women that came before. Um, but I feel like if it was floating between both, that could be something that's really special. If you're going to have your Miranda Alizés around, your Willow Nightingales around, like you have to give it the treatment and care that it respects. But I don't, I don't like the half commitment. I don't like having one foot in tag world and one foot not. Um, so oh, that's that works. I just wanted to to get your thoughts on that. Um, we had Joey Bag of Donuts who came in with his opinion saying, with all these women's tag team matches, just make a women's tag team championship already. I definitely get that. That's kind of where I'm at of like, you can't have the smoke and not the fire behind it. Um, so I completely understand you there. Well, we move along to... Maybe the biggest heartbreak in wrestling in the past couple of years, man. Um, the Gun Club. All right. Rest in peace, Scissor Me Daddy Ass. Uh, you know, I, I tried to listen to Billy Gunn justify his actions, saying that he treated the acclaimed better than his own sons at one point, but that there's a break. You know what? Like, you took away Bowen's yelling, Scissor Me Daddy Ass on screen. And if that doesn't make you the biggest heel in wrestling, it's first of it's all, bordering on go home heat for me to be honest. kudos to Billy for knowing how to get such heat like 30 plus years into the game. <laughs> kudos to Billy, you know, um, he really has embraced the role of daddy ass. And I, I think honestly, Billy Gunn gets it better than anyone because there's nothing that he's ever been asked to do where it's like, I'm not going to do that. You tell him, hey, go out there and call your children ass boys and your daddy ass. And he's like, got it. And this is a very fun segment. And I don't think we've seen the last of Scissor Me Daddy Ass. I think Scissor Me Daddy Ass will probably be a line said in every iteration of this rivalry because the people do love the acclaimed. And I'm just glad that Billy Gunn is still out there doing his thing. 
Yeah, I'm not someone that needs to see him in the ring very much, but I do appreciate where this has gone. Like, there's other things I would rather see on television, to be honest, but, like, Rampage, to me, this is the perfect spot for it. Like, that's perfectly fine. But you know what? There are some things that I just wish they were nowhere to be found, Robert. And if there's a way that you can make things disappear, you should try using NordVPN to do it. You really should. I'm on the road right now, but I'm not missing any of my favorite shows that are region blocked or out of my area, so to speak, because I've got NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Now, you can also use that code Fightful. Avoid price discrimination on flights. Avoid missing your shows because they're region blocked. And get 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. NordVPN.com slash Fightful has made things so much easier for me as I get back into traveling and start to remember that certain things aren't available to watch when I travel or even when I'm home because they're region blocked. I'm able to find pay-per-views that are much cheaper thanks to NordVPN.com slash Fightful. It's an investment in yourself and how can you pass up that deal 70% off plus one additional month free nordvpn.com slash fightful or use that code fightful you heard it here first guys if you need an alternative to how you watch pay-per-views like if there's a certain app that consistently doesn't work and you happen to find yourself in Lithuania and you want to pay $20 for a more reliable service Use NordVPN.com. Uh, by the you- way, by the way, did you know that if you're subscribed to Fight and their AEW All Access subscription in the United Kingdom, perhaps, that you can see Dynamite and Rampage without commercials? I did not know that because, Robert, I would never do such a thing, like pretend I was somewhere else. Uh, yeah. No, again, you shouldn't, but if you were somewhere else... Well, like, else, hypothetically, like, option. if I... Yeah, no, if I did live somewhere else... Uh, that is an option. Interesting, but completely unrelated. Check out NordVPN. Guys, if you are able to also... Um, they made a really big investment in Fightful, and if you can just let them know that you found out about us from them and that we have this little deal going on, that would be so fantastic because... Uh, They love hearing it, and it's just been a really great relationship that Fightful's been able to build out. So if you already use it, even if you don't, if you could just tweet at them and let them know uh, that you heard about them from us, that would be super, super awesome. And heck, you know what? When you're saving all that money with NordVPN, you can use that money to subscribe to Fightful Select. You're going to get things like Sour Graps every Monday and Friday with Alex Pulaski, which will be on after this show. I'll probably jump on and complain about some stuff that I saw on SmackDown as well. Um, But you're going to get those two shows in your Fightful Select subscription. Again, that starts right after the show on the main. You're also going to get updates like how Sasha Banks is getting that bag (laughs) at conventions. WWE contract. She has earned every penny of it. Good for her. But if you haven't understood that wrestling is crazier than it's ever been over the course of the past six weeks, I don't know what to tell you, but go to Fightful Select and subscribe. Would you be so kind? Uh, so we are going to bring it down the home stretch with the Lucha Brothers versus Private Party in the main event. Uh, 
Andrade is injured, it looks like, which is a super bummer because everybody that I want to Everybody's see injured, man. is injured. But it is nice to see him here uh, accompanying his team down to the ring. No surprise that this match was an absolute blast. Ray Phoenix is just incredible. He and Penta are such a nice offset of each other. And it was good to see Private Party on my screen as well. Ultimately, we see uh, Ray Phoenix win with that black fire driver. My God, what a cool finisher for a guy who doesn't know how gravity works. Uh, for him to finish with a move like that, I think is so impressive. Um, but I, I thought this was a real fun match. Glad to see Andrade there. Glad to see Roosh around and glad to hear, I think for the first time on commentary, them referred to as Los Ingobernables. I'm sure there was tons of copyright back and forth with that because that is a stable that runs deep in a lot of different promotions. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time, but the question is time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, what did you think of our main event tonight, Robert? Well, first of all, you mentioned that uh, private parties part of the Andrade family office. I don't know if they still are. They made it very clear. Listen, we tried to call you. We tried you on WhatsApp. We tried you on MySpace. We tried you everywhere. We didn't get to you, but we did see your wedding photos. So I don't know if they'll be with him moving forward, but great match, of course, because all four men know how to work. I don't think the Leech Brothers know how to have a bad match. No, it's not Roosh possible. showed up. I do like me some Roosh. He didn't. He wasn't able to help Prior Party get the win, but I think the Lucha Brothers are going to be a huge part of AEW's tag division for years to come. So this was the move to go with. Agreed, and I think you know Roosh not helping them get the win might be a little bit of a story here. I'm interested in a Private Party versus Los and Governables feud if that's what 
they're setting up here. I don't know how long Andrade is expected to be out, but if they want to let that burn for a little bit and we get them facing each other, I'm all for that. I feel like we haven't seen any family office break up and there be any feuds out of it because <laughs> the, uh, the Hardy family office didn't really do anything when they splintered either. Oh. Lucha Brothers are incredible. Um, this match was a ton of fun. So many spots. If you are not a flippy-doo person, this match was probably not for you, but I thought it was a whole hell of a lot of fun. And to your point, the Lucha Brothers are just invaluable at this point. They're not capable of putting on a bad match. Phoenix and Penta have such different strengths in the ring. And on top of that, I think they're just some of the most organic baby faces I've ever seen because people just love who they are. Like, they think they're great wrestlers and they think they're really cool. It's not like gimmick or super character driven at all. Like, people just love them and want to get behind them. And that kind of baby face support is the best. So, uh, honestly, they are such a good team. And I think they haven't missed a single beat since their impact run all those years ago you know and they brought into AEW with nothing but success and private party i think is overdue a successful run but they're still young and i hope they get there real soon sure and i think they're another team that roh alleviating some of the the over bloated roster that might be something that's a really nice a really nice spot for them so that wraps up Rampage. we got a couple super chats that are out there lingering that I also want to circle back on. As far as Miro and House of Black, Ollie dancing, does Miro hate his God so much that he becomes pagan and joins the House of Black? Um, I, I don't heard, think that's how it works. I don't think so, too. And I just, in general, I've heard ideas about Miro getting thrown into stables or starting one. And I don't know. The way he is presented right now feels like such a single star thing to me. Like, I, I don't think I necessarily want or need him in a stable, which feels w weird in AEW because I feel like it's so stable heavy and I think stables are so valuable. But to me, he just reads as like, it's just between him and his God. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he's a very vengeful, not a vengeful, he's, he's got a mission. He feels his God has forsaken him and he's going to take that out apparently on the devil himself. And, you know, like sometimes you have really good friends and you need to just be like, hey, happy birthday, Michael. You know, but Miro, Miro's got no friends. Miro is just a loner and I'm good with seeing him as a loner because I saw him do the Rusev Day thing. And while that was super over, I like him better on his own. Yeah, I agree. I like this, too. We got Wrestle Vibes with Ribbon Blade chiming in, also saying, R.I.P. Scissor Me Daddy Ass 2022 to 2022. Rest in peace, Scissor Me Daddy Ass. What a blast. R.I.P. <sighs> so, before we switch into SmackDown, I mentioned StarCast before, which we've got some of Fightful that will be there. Of course, the Ric Flair match is going to be happening. So many different panels happening. Um, but Sean Rossoff is here to tell you a little bit about it. If you're here, you like pro wrestling, and StarCast 5 is capped off with an incredible card for Ric Flair's last match on July 31st. And that's after the actual convention on July 29th, 30th, and the 31st in Nashville, Tennessee at the Nashville Fairgrounds. But listen to this list of talent. Josh Alexander, 
Jacob Fatu, Motor City Machine Guns, The Wolves, Rachel Ellering, Deanna Perrazzo, Jordan Grace, Killer Cross, Harry Smith, Ray Phoenix, Bandito, Clark Connors, Laredo Kid. That's before we even get to the Nature Boy Ric Flair's final match on Sunday night. That's SummerSlam weekend. Panel shows also include Renee Paquette's Sessions featuring Brian Danielson, Soraya turning the page, The Last Ride of the Four Horsemen, and Bret Hart taking a look at his match with Davey Boy Smith at SummerSlam 30 years later. If you're going to be in Nashville, head to StarCast.com for more information on StarCast tickets, meet and greets, and last match tickets. But if you're not there, you don't have to miss it. Head to RicFlair'sLastMatch.com to pre-order the event. Watch the incredible docuseries, Ric Flair, The Last Match, with new episodes dropping every Monday at 6.05 p.m. If you're there, there's going to be tons of signings, tons of activities. You're going to see talent from MLW, AAA, Impact, New Japan, AEW, and so much more. StarCast 5 in Nashville. Well, there you go. There are your StarCast details. If you're in the area, it definitely seems worth checking out. Uh, some people might find some of that card more enticing than Ric Flair's last match. There's a lot of really uh, great uh, names Some on people there. might think that that's a great card. Uh, completely up and down the line. Yeah. Even before you get to Ric Flair's last match. So, yeah. uh, you know, so, I, I think that card is definitely worth checking out with or without Ric Flair's last match. Agreed entirely. Uh, I don't know if today's SmackDown was worth checking out, though, Robert. I gotta say, and I also have to make note that we have one super chat about this entire two-hour show, and it's probably because there was about a half hour of wrestling. On Please send more super chats. We will give you your money's worth, even though this show did not. We will do more cheese grins. We will make more kebab jokes. We will. Um, so, yeah. I do want to shout out Volub for gifting five Fightful YouTube memberships. Holy cow, that's so cool oh, of you, Volub. Thank you so much. Always so supportive in the chat. Always a positive presence. We really, really appreciate you. Um, oh, Michael chiming in via Humper Chat saying, thank you, Robert. You really shoehorned that one in. Hi, Kate. I don't know what you shoehorned in. The like, happy birthday, Michael, during my talk about Rusev. Oh, happy birthday, Michael. I, I shoehorned I it in because I am a good friend, if nothing else. Oh, you're first of all, you're a lot more than just a good friend. But you are Thank also you. a good friend. Happy birthday, Michael. Um, Yeah, we're happy that you're spending it with us tonight, right here, right now. Is is Michael on the midnight side of it or on the yesterday? Side uh, he's on our side of it. He's up in he's up in Canada where all the monies are. Oh, okay. But is it is it a Saturday birthday or was it a? Friday oh, it birthday? Ju- it just hit. Yeah, it just hit twelve. Happy so birthday! In at Hell yeah, dude, that rules. So, uh, we got one super chat about this, as I mentioned, and it was J.W. Pringle saying, "I haven't been sports entertained since two thousand three WWE." So. Not really a great. Well, neither have they. I mean, if you look at the content that they have been pumping out lately, it's been all, hey, 20 years ago, this happened. So apparently neither have they. That's a good point. Um, I started watching in 09, so I can't share that sentiment, but I understand it. CM Punk to me, Danielson to me, Kofi to me, um, the moment of Biggie to me, 
Bianca Belair to me. There are things there, but I get what you're saying. Like, as far as from front to back being entertaining, it's been a minute, and it definitely hasn't been since the pandemic. But you know what is entertaining, Robert? This Pat McAfee fella. Um, you know, I don't normally like it when non-wrestlers come in and take spots, but I'm not convinced that he's a non-wrestler. I think he was just a delayed wrestler. Um, and I appreciate his promo ability opening the show here. I thought this was a really fun way to kick off the show. A couple of things to note. Um, he basically said that he was apologizing to the WWE universe because his absence made us listen to that bum-ass Corbin for two hours last week and that they didn't celebrate Shinsuke properly. This is a fun way to start off the show. I can't believe that Pat McAfee versus Corbin is like one of the matches I'm looking most forward to at SummerSlam. But here we are. The build to this SummerSlam is one of the most ass-backwards things I've experienced in my entire fandom. (laughs) It's on a Saturday in July. Uh... Pat McAfee and Baron Corbin, which has had no build, has had one of the best builds because the only thing they're doing is saying, hey, just so you don't forget, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar are going to fight. And then we're going to do the money in the bank thing. That's all they're banking on SummerSlam for. And it just feels odd. But McAfee is easily one of the most entertaining people that's come into wrestling in years. I think Corbin is long overdue for a world title push. He is a 6'10", gigantic, legitimate badass, and you're calling him happy just because. But this should be a great match, which I hope is parlayed to great things in the future for McAfee and Corbin. Agreed. And they also have played off both of their like football history together. You know, Corbin has not really been for me, most of his run, just as a matter of taste, I completely understand why people gravitate to him. But this most recent stuff, since they cleared out the Madcap feud, I think has actually been really good. Like, he called out some really true stuff about Pat McAfee, about being like, you're an announcer. Why are you so biased against me? Like, there's been some really, really good character work that he has done. And I feel like he's found a balance between being like, in this goofy world and then also being so serious as the lone wolf. This to me is the most authentic work that he's done. Um, And I'm kind of excited for what we saw. I do want to make a note that um, because Roman was not on raw or SmackDown and because Braun Breaker was not on NXT, all seven hours of WWE programming this week have not had their world champion, their male champion. Um, on their program. It is very difficult to stay invested in programs when your champion is just absent. And not absent yeah. in a in a Brock Lesnar special attraction way. There's just a void that there's no programming there to fill. And with Cody being injured, it makes it even worse. Additionally, your SummerSlam build has a rematch for the 470th time between Brock and Roman. And you're also running back Becky and Bianca which I love. I've loved that story, but you're going to that well again. I'm not convinced that maybe Bailey isn't the real story there or something else. Yeah. Someone else so comes out, I but think, like, come on, man. That's what you're saying. I like, think take it Bianca and Becky is a swerve. I, I hope definitely so. think you're getting either Bailey or they're going to do something where it's like, haha, you know, just like Becky uh, 
overtook Sasha and Carmella's moment last year, it'll be Bailey this year with Becky. I think that'll be it. But not having Roman has been the biggest flop since Mania because the whole thing I was excited for for having one champion is because I think the industry flows better with one champion. However, when you take a guy who's finally beaten Lesnar and just give him Lesnar's schedule, well, we're still in the same boat, and now we're with less stars because Roman Reigns is too good for this. It's very weird. It's a very weird mentality to say. The goal of everyone in this industry is to be too good for this industry. That is the perception that you're telling the audience, and I don't get it. I don't want it. I don't know why they continue to push it. It's very confusing, and on top of that, to do it right after you merge the titles makes the least amount of sense. You're like, there's one guy, and he's going to show up on neither program. Uh, is just a very, very odd call to me. Uh, we do move along to Liv and Natalia. I have to stress that a follow-up, or I have to follow up on and stress that a championship contenders match ha- just means a non-title match. There is no logic or order to anything. This doesn't mean that after Ronda and Natty gets another shot or anything like that. Um, a championship contenders match just means non-title. So we get a championship contenders match. Uh, I did not know this was going to be the only wrestling on the show in hour one. But it was a nine-minute match or so between Liv and Natty. It was serviceable. Um, Liv showed off her dropkick a couple of times on here. She has a very authentic connection with the crowd. Um, You know, people are really genuinely and sincerely behind her, which is great. Uh, I think she still has some work to do between the ropes a little bit. But we also have to remember that, like, for the first years of her career, she was just, like, playing second fiddle to Ruby Riot and didn't have matches that were longer than like two and a half minutes long ever. So to see where she was and to see her as champion now is great. Natty has a great German suplex in this uh, that you'll, you'll never see. And we get kind of a a nice post-match underdog promo here. Uh, And that's kind of, that's kind of all. We're going to get a face-to-face with Ronda and Liv next week going into SummerSlam, but um, this was a, a perfectly fine match. They seemed to make a really big deal out of the fact that Ronda had an easier time putting away Natty on, on the promo side, but uh, Liv says she's been an underdog her whole life. What did you think of I the mean, match of the promo after? When you have Ronda beat Natty in two minutes, maybe, last week, they're obviously going to stress that. I thought it was a bit off. Like, there were clearly moments where Liv went for her catapult into the corner and Natty didn't go, so it was just sort of like... not sloppy but disjointed in some places also there was a moment there where natty just stood there waiting for Liv to drop kick her and it just it felt off but the promo was good Liv is genuinely over with the people now you have to keep her there because you had e there you had kofi there but they don't do a good job on following up but no she beat ronda i don't i don't even know if i trust that they'll let her beat Ronda. So just enjoy it while we got it, folks. I don't either. Uh, I it The only way she does is if Charlotte Flair comes back to cost Ronda. She is so over that they might. Um, I knew she was very over. I said last week I didn't realize she was like a bunch of signs in the crowd over Liv is, which is really good to see. So her popularity might um, help her in the situation have a longer reign, but I'd 
I don't have any faith because they haven't given me any faith to have in recent years. They couldn't figure out what to do with Sasha freaking Banks. They couldn't do it with Big E. They couldn't, you know what I mean? Like they, they are great at moments and not reigns. And that's about as far as I can go with him. Um, But then we have the first of a couple of fun segments with uh, Paul Heyman and various people. Uh, This one was with him in theory. Heyman basically just says like, Hey, uh, new interview gal who's interviewing Theory. You're better than Kayla. I love that. I pop for it every time. Such great work by Heyman there. Um, and then uh, he basically just says, like, you don't want to cash in against Roman. What good is that going to do for you? Let me help you out. Just let me help you along. And Theory uh, denies the help, which I thought was fun. We also get one of these later in the show from Madcap, which makes a little bit less sense. Uh, and- this is the one I liked more. The Madcap one or the Theory yeah. one? The Madcap the, one you like more. One. I felt like the ends didn't justify the means in the most literal sense possible. Because basically Paul Heyman says to Madcap, uh, go out there and do some damage to this guy and we'll help you along. And Madcap says, no, I'm a babyface. I'm not going to do that. But then eventually does it anyway. So it just felt like he left money on the table in my opinion. But you liked the Madcap one more. Why is I that? did because Heyman framed it better. Simply because he said, you know that I know that you know I'm the one that gave you your big break, which is true. When Heyman was the executive director of Raw, he called up Moss from NXT and had major plans. So just the fact that you threw that in there makes it, okay, so whenever they do get to Madcap Roman or Madcap whoever, the story's there. Heyman believes in Riddick Moss. I like the idea that He's trying to get theory. Yeah, you, you don't want to cash in randomly. Let's work this out so you can have a box office. And obviously he's afraid of Roman losing the title without even having to lose the title because he knows exactly what's coming at SummerSlam. But at this point, they're so heavy handed with it that I'm beginning to think Roman Reigns is just going to take the briefcase, shove it up theory's ass and beat him anyway. Like they're becoming so heavy handed with what they're doing. Yeah, it's a little bit too paint by numbers, but I do agree with you that Paul Heyman is, I mean, this is just a masterclass and he'll work of making theory look strong in the process, right? And I do like the story better with Madcap. I just thought that the ending of the match was what Paul Heyman asked him to do anyway. And he um, didn't like, just, I would have just taken that extra help if you're going to do that. But uh, guys, a reminder to get in those super chats and those humper chats, just like Mark Quill who chimed in saying, sort of Smackdown Humper Chat, Pat McAfee is the best. He is great. He also adds, dreading to see what NXT has in store for me on my birthday next week on the 19th, but conversely looking forward to what you and Alex have for Sour Graps on Tuesday, Kate. Enjoy, everyone. NXT has so much in store for you. They're going to talk about why Cora Jade will never ride a skateboard again. They're going to talk about Axiom, who's a luchador that's good at math, kind of. Yeah, he's a mathador. He's a mathador. I mean, that's that's just amazing. And, you know, maybe the QR scan will be a New York crossword puzzle. Who knows? These are all the things you have to look forward to on NXT 2.0. That skateboard was the biggest prop bot since the exploding ring didn't go off in AEW. That's what I'll say. That's that's been the worst prop bot. Jericho falling onto a crash pad does not compare to that skateboard falling apart in the air um hey if you 
want to chime in on Tuesdays about NXT, you can do that with Alex Pulaski and myself. And a reminder that Alex, I'm probably me, will be live right after this on Fightful Select, which you can subscribe to at Fightful Select for just $5 a month. We're going to keep moving right along here. Um, we got a New Day promo disguised as the Viking Raiders. I felt like the past couple weeks, the New Day was on the right side of the line of stupid funny. When they called their butts thick AF, I was in on it. Then coming out as the Viking Raiders just weeks after uh, Natalia came out as Rhonda, I felt like was a little bit of a lazy playbook. I felt like they did the best they can, but calling people gross and ugly after they just kicked her ass a few weeks in a row doesn't really like fit right with me. Um, I There's, of course, they get their ass kicked again, because why wouldn't yeah. they? Um but then Mahal and Shanky come to the rescue, which was so are also they baby face weird. now. Like, what? What's the deal there? Are we like, are we supposed to cheer gender? I don't know. I think we're supposed to be cheering for the skyscraping Shanky, um, because I don't know if you know this, Robert, but he, he dances. dances. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I don't know where this is going. I'm wondering if it's going to go into a triple threat at some point. But you know, you know where it can't go. Into a match with the Usos because nobody can beat the Usos. So yeah. this is just a holdover until we're ready to beat the Usos. I mean, tag wrestling is always treated as a sideshow here. Um, but I'm I'm glad to see the Viking Raiders on screen more, as new and vicious as they are. This promo could have leaned into that a little bit more, saying, like, oh, we're new, like look how weird we are or whatever. But um I don't know. I just feel like the New Day just keep getting their asses kicked, and I don't understand why they would continue to taunt them. Let's just have some, like, real matches between these two teams, because I want to see matches between these teams. The rest of this was just a little muddy and confusing to me. I don't know about you. Yeah, it, it was fine. They got an Assassin's Creed reference in there, and people popped. They got a Thor reference, people popped. It It wasn't for me, you know? When you're getting your ass handed to you, that's not the time to joke. The time to joke is when you're completely on top of the situation. But that's just me. No, that makes sense. I agree with you. You know what else was a little wild? This Lacey Evans video package and promo. Aaliyah uh, goes to the ring for the second week in a row to not have a match with Lacey Evans. For the love of God, just don't make her go to the ring and stand and look pretty then. This is a huge waste. She was of in there time. for like 10 minutes, too. For like 10 minutes, not doing anything. Um, and Lacey, who bore her soul for five weeks about her real life trauma, is now fully a heel. Uh, I can't remember the last time I saw a wrestler turn on their opponent and not the the people, really. Like, I, I, it's it's so bizarre, like, how everything has to be directed at the crowd. And Lacey sharing her story did make me respect her in a new way. So I don't, like, even though she's not my favorite character, I'm like, well, damn, look at what she didn't overcame. Like, I can at least empathize with that. And there's a big, I don't know, there's a lot of people that I think wanted to to root for her. And I don't know if she just didn't feel comfortable working as a face. I think she has a lot of work to do in the ring. I don't think she's there yet. Um, 
but I don't know. This is just, I don't know how you make someone share all their real life trauma just to have them be a heel, which is what they were in the first place. Like to just come back at that. And I don't know why you have poor Leah just standing out there like a flag in the winds, not having matches. It's so bizarre to me. Like what a weird use of television time. I don't really even like know what really, else to say anymore about it. They really like having the people be the center of attention. It almost feels like it's performance. Like someone's telling you, go out there and vent your frustrations about the people because really you're going to continue to note the fact that I served in the, you know, I served the country and you're going to come out here and tell me I suck. It's like, okay, I get where you're going. I get what you think you're doing, but really either you've got a crappy audience or you're unnecessarily making someone who's got a genuinely heartwarming story seem to be a bad person because you're just going to have her forcibly say she's better than us. It's just, yeah, it's not needed. She's not great in the ring. So why not use, why not use this story to get her over as a face and lean into your fan base that would want to root for her? Or why not use elements of this story to make her do sneaky stuff in the ring? Like, I, I don't know. It doesn't work for me. The shit with Aaliyah is so weird. I don't want to see them fight. I don't think either of them are very good in the ring. I don't think they're going to. I don't think they are either. But it's just, why not have Lacey come out then and not have a match? Like, that's just so weird. I just, like, can't believe that, like, Shayna Baszler is not mm-hmm. on the show. Like, Shafty Blackheart is not on the show. It's bananas. Like, it's just so bizarre. Alex, who will be on Sour Graps after this, saying that this whole Lacey Evans thing is just bordering on psychotic. It kind of is, and it's like a psychosis that they created. Like, they just gave the fans whiplash. They invented a reaction they never got. Like, that is so weird. And I don't mean piped in crowd noise-wise. I mean, they presented her with all of this trauma and then pushed her out there as a face. People kind of cheered for her and then didn't really have a ton of a reaction because she didn't really do anything with it. And then they just decided that the people hate her. And it's like, not, that didn't really happen. Like, you just, I don't know. You delayed it. You had, hey, show her the proper respect. So you're giving them this weird, like, Pavlovian, like, okay, boo her. You know, because you're she's demanding respect of you. And it, it's it's very strange. You know, I I don't understand how the WWE women's roster in three years Went from, my God, they're stacked, they're main eventing, to, okay, we're really kind of doing these Money in the Banks without a heavy roster because we forced ourselves into a situation where they're now necessary. Like, the whole roster is depleted. It's filled with people who aren't as strong in the ring because they don't have the experience. It's just, it's not something I want to see after the greatest renaissance in women's wrestling history of modern times it's not something i really want to see but here we are and they almost had 50 50 time on the show at one point like it was almost even and it's just it got so thrown off a cliff and to reiterate there is now with sasha and naomi officially out there is one black woman on the main roster and no black women on smackdown well officially unofficially because they still haven't confirmed because no one's confirming that they're not with the company, even though all signs continue to point in that they're not well, with the company. 
if if there's anybody who's doubting whether or not Sasha Banks is worth the 30 grand that she booked, A, you're dumb, and B, watch SmackDown and tell me it doesn't feel like there is a huge absence of star power without her there. Because it is painful. It is I mean, painful. honestly, and you've got one of the four horsewomen. And you've got Bianca, like, and you've got Becky and Bianca. That's all they have right now because Charlotte's still on vacation and, and Bailey's yeah. still working her way back from injury. It's, it's really unfortunate. They have this whole like triad of Zia Lee and Shayna and Sonia that they're not doing anything with. Like, it's just so bizarre. They, they all but stripped away everything that made Raquel Gonzalez mean Raquel, something. Yeah, she uh, had this. Charlie Blackheart. Talk about someone who is everything that she does in the ring going to look pretty? No, but neither did Lita. But you have a vibe there that can get people really going. You have a marketable tank and you strip away everything that makes Shotzi marketable. And then you go, I'm sorry, pal. We don't know what to do with you. It's, it's mind boggling to me that this roster is allowing itself to just be as depleted as it is and again you've got Shayna Baszler who should have come onto the roster and wiped everything clean and she has yet to win a singles title yeah they had her bite people but but, you know there is hope for this division Kate because next week a new woman is supposed to be debuting oh we'll get to Maxine Uh, oh don't you worry we will get there Oh, boy. But for now, we're going to talk about the other match that happened in the first, well, I guess at the top of the the first hour, um, or the top of the second hour, which was Drew and Ridge Holland. Uh, this is about four minutes long. Um, they've done nothing with Ridge Holland, and so sadly, the only thing that I can remember Ridge Holland doing is injuring Big E. Mm-hmm. That's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. You had Drew face Butch and not Sheamus. Last week, you have Drew face Ridge Holland and not Sheamus. This week, that would be a much more enticing story if Drew and Sheamus hadn't already faced each other like 900 times. Like, literally dozens of times. You're not building any heat when they've already touched so fucking many times. Like, there's nothing compelling I'll about that. It makes no sense. Him hitting the white noise was rad, but like... There was nothing else to this. I'll say this. Their big, big, great blow-off at Fastlane was still in front of no fans. So they have something there that they can do in front of people. But instead of doing this bait-and-switch thing, why don't you just announce for SummerSlam, you know, what what used to be your biggest event of the summer, hey, these two are going to fight. Winner fights Roman or Brock or Theory or whomever is the world champion at Clash of the Castle. Instead of, you know, teasing it and then just waiting to do the obvious, which is probably they're going to have the match at SummerSlam because you need matches for SummerSlam. But listen to what you just said. Their blow-off was in the pandemic, and they've run this back several times since. It's insane. Do something with other people. It's almost (laughs) like they, they let go of a lot of people that could have been utilized in this position. It's almost like if only you had a... A, a a Keith Lee, a one that is limitless, or maybe a killer on yeah. the roster, or may, maybe if you just had any of those people that you just let go of because you didn't want to be so bloated. Like, or like, I don't know, where's Ricochet? 
like, I don't know. I don't know, man. But what I, here's one thing that I do know. Gunther chopping people rules. That's it. We have a brief little interview uh, with him and Ludwig Kaiser. Um, and Ludwig is talking and, and Gunther tells him to unzip his jacket and then just chops the hell out of him. Um, there is definitely a market for this kind of content on a Friday night. You, you got a lot of sexual tension from Malachi and Sting over <laughs> on Rampage. But like, he just said, open your shirt, smacked him as hard as he could, watched him crumble, and then we were just done. Like, I guess My God. Th- there's a market there. Gunther I did hear they were going TV 14. Maybe. It's... Maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. I mean, my word, I guess Gunther really doesn't like losing at all. Um, but anyway, I just we had to we had to talk about that segment. And that yeah, was pretty it was, much it. It was a fantastic was segment. One thing I'll say beating the hell Gunther, out of I, I miss Walter. Yeah, it's a better name, but Gunther has been booked phenomenally. He's Smackdown. the the best translation from NXT 2.0 to the main roster that we've seen by far, and the first one in a really long time of NXT to the main roster in general. Like really, really, really strong. This is he's one of the few things on the main roster that is working and has transitioned properly from one brand to the other. So it is really good to see that. Mark Quill chimed in via Humper Chat saying, uh, of of the gender and Shanky and New Day and Viking Raider situation that it's the new dancier Jinder Mahal and Shanky. Uh, so they're vicious dancers. They're vicious dancers is what they are. But we'll move along to, to Madcap Moss and Theory. We already discussed uh, the Madcap segment with Haven that came before this. Um, I know there's a lot of people that are very high on Madcap uh, the name sucks. They haven't even decided if he's Madcap or Madcap Moss. It looks like they switched it back. Uh, he's not for me yet. Um, it's mostly slams and shoulder blocks. Like, there's not a lot of meat on the bone outside of that. Follow-away slams always look really, really cool. Uh, but he is not going to be my favorite wrestler, probably. Uh, I hated this match ending in a DQ. Theory used the Money in the Bank briefcase, uh, which caused the DQ. My favorite part uh, of anything is Sami Zayn. So we'll get to that in a minute. But this match was fine. I don't... This seems to be like the guys that they pegged as the future of the company. And I don't see it with either of them yet. So I don't I don't know where you stand on these fellas. Where do you stand on these fellas? Okay, so visually, I don't think there's a better depiction of what the future of wrestling should be especially WWE, than these two men but bell to bell it's got some ways to go specifically madcap because theory's got it theory had the you know the evolved stuff and wn stuff but madcap has a ways to go but i can understand why you look at him and you go well we got to try to make some money with him because he does have the look they do yeah, need to change their name, though. Paul Heyman's smarter than I am, and he's, he genuinely did see a lot in this guy, so uh, I will trust that there is something there. I just haven't seen it yet. It's probably all the damage that they did with the Mavcap stuff. Like, it's very hard to just get that out of my head, but this match was fine. Um, 
there's a, a post-match promo that, as Louise put, caused gang wars with Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is appalled that anyone could catch it on his family because, as you know, Sami Zayn is a part of the bloodline. And we get he a little so much like the Wild Samoans. It's like it's ugh. it's astonishing. It's, it's, a, uncanny. it's uncanny. Yeah, it really, really is. Um, and we're gonna get him on commentary later in the night which i was so excited to see um but let's talk about your girl maxine dupree uh we get a video package here while i'm chiming in saying that max dupree and his piddle dds make for good smackdown segments today i am entertained by mmm i will say i had i was nervous about the direction this was going in but i thought if anybody could make it work it was going to be Max Dupree, LA Knight, Eli Drake. Um, and he is making it work. He is making it work. I feel like I would like the segment even more if it wasn't mixed in with a bunch of, like, a lot of two-note, one-note comedy, in my opinion. Like, if this was a comic relief in a more serious program, I think I would like it better. But he basically just recaps what they've been saying for the past couple weeks and says that we are going to meet Maxine Dupree. Do you have any thoughts on who that might okay. be? So, so we get we get a very nice promo for Marseille and Mansois, and they're doing all this stuff. Next week, we're getting a beachwear collection, and we're getting Maxine Dupree. I am very concerned about this. Because hopefully what they've done is just they're they're calling up Sloane Jacobs or, you know, Sophia Cromwell, who's probably not because she's on Tuesday nights regularly, and they're just making her Maxine. I hope we're not getting uh, L.A. Knight playing both Max and Maxine. Now, there are some okay. people who can do this very well. I don't know. I think we've evolved past it in wrestling. I don't think we need that. I don't And I also think like uh, a woman with Max Dupree would be a lot of fun. Like, I think that would make sense. If Tiffany Stratton wasn't doing a ton of work in NXT right now, I would say she would be like the perfect candidate for this because she's really come a long way in the ring as well. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know who it is. Maybe Zoe Stark is ready to return. It doesn't really fit there. Alex saying that maybe it's Ginny from NXT UK. I've, uh, I've seen know, a lot but, of people say boom, that. Boom, Alex got it. Alex just hit the nail on the head. It's, yeah. It should be Ginny. Because honestly, be. you know, the people I would choose for this would be pretty deadly. They should be the maximum male models but instead, we're doing something with Mason Mansoor, and I'm fine with that because they're on the roster and they deserve to be utilized as well. Ginny absolutely makes perfect sense. That would be real, real fun. I hope it's and her. The accent thing is going to be a little weird. I don't know how you get to the brother and sister relationship when one clearly has a thicker accent. But, you know, maybe that's, that's some of the magic here. It's adorable that you think that they feel the need to be that consistent that's so sweet that you think that <laughs> I, I want them to be i you know in my mind i just think they're trying to close the loopholes but they're not no way absolutely not uh but guys that leads us to the main event uh get in your super chats and humper chats if you would be so kind if you have anything left to say 
I don't know why you would about this main event, to be honest, unless you guys want to talk about the special guest referee. To me, it was a huge letdown, so whatever. But um, we do get a match here between Angelo Dawkins and Jimmy Uso. Uh, the match was fine. The match was good, I should say. It's nice to see Angelo Dawkins getting a little bit more credit, I think. Montez Ford is a very bright shining star and sometimes he can be so bright that it like maybe drowns out a little bit of Angelo's um but he's really grown a lot and he's come a long way and it was nice to see him get this Jimmy Uso basically did a rear view in this which cracked me up uh but I hated the ending for a lot of reasons you have a tag champion lose and you have a face cheat to win I did not didn't like really it. cheat. It was just, it was just the referees completely. These referees have no concept of the rules and how they work. They don't even check if the shoulders are on the mat, but I guess that's no okay one of, because... one of the most seasoned referees in the history of the company too. And Charles Robinson, who was well, knocked out know, for that, that's two it entire pinfalls. It's too, too much, seasoning. It's too too much, much seasoning. seasoning. So, you know, he's, he's not as thorough as once was. It amazes me that this is the main event. Because we've seen this match endlessly on Raw, and that this is the last segment on the show is something. And by the way, we do get a special guest referee, but he's not even there. They just sort of cut to a video package of Jeff Jarrett. Awesome. To that I say, awesome. Jeff Jarrett is the worker. He's the worker's worker. He has been on GCW, NWA. Now he's going to be the referee at SummerSlam. He's returning they to his natural just roots. have no idea what a modern wrestling fan is looking for. Yeah, this is Nashville's favorite son. He, he vowed years ago to come back to Music City and gloat that this is the payoff. This is 27 years of long-term story. You know what? Kate, you know what? Sure. You gotta open you know your what? eyes. You gotta open your eyes. You know what? For the long-term storytelling, sure. Uh, I could not the, possibly. This man is a global a force shit. wrestler. Oh, good for him. I would rather see like maybe one person in the world on screen more than Sami Zayn. <laughs> Just in general, like Sami Zayn's the best. Uh, he was on commentary here and was great. He basically was like, it's all but official that I'm going to be the special guest referee. I can't I can't get into details, but it's pretty much going to be me. And then they announced it's not going to be him. Adam Pierce just basically burying every referee that they have and saying, you know what? These refs that we hired to do this job are not very good. Let's get Jeff Jarrett uh, to come be a special guest referee. I could not possibly care less. You know... Adam Pierce, former NWA champion, right? He's got a long history with the NWA. You'd think he was watching when Jeff Jarrett completely fumbled the ball last time he had to referee a match in the National Wrestling Alliance. Doesn't matter. You know, Jeff Jarrett is getting another payday in wrestling, proving that the worker always wins. That's your lesson, kids. Always this be. Angle is a double S. I am not into it at all. <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be Sammy. I thought, I don't want Solo Sokoa to come up, but I that would at least put him on the main roster in a storyline that matters. Jeff Jarrett, him fighting Effie all day. I'll take it. This, no. no. Yeah. 
You and I disagree, it's, sir. It, it's it's so bad that of course I'm just gonna be like, fine. If you get Jeff Jarrett in Nashville and he's singing with my baby tonight on the way to the ring, I like whatever. Because clearly they have completely lost sight of what actually made them one of the biggest pop culture companies in the world that in two different points, which was being on the pulse of actual pop culture. Correct. Because I, I don't know how you shoehorn Jeff Jarrett into the Usos versus the Prophets. That's the thing. It has nothing to do with either team. Like the whole point of a special guest referee is, are they going to call it down the middle or are they going to be in favor of one team? There's nothing here. I will say, I am glad it is not Kane. I was getting nervous. So it it is Tennessee. It could have easily been Kane. Mm-hmm. Alex on Sour Graps threw that out last week. And Sour Graps is gonna be starting in just a couple minutes from now because guys, that is our show for tonight, she says as she goes to look and see if there's more super chats and humper chats, which there are. My bad. There are two more that just came in. So we will read those up before we get out of here. Mark Quayle saying. Finish comes when Jeff Jarrett reveals that he's officially financing the bloodline with Global Force Gold. All right. That I would pop for, at least. That's pretty good. Um, Bob saying, y'all hanging on GCW's own legend slap nuts double J. I like him in GCW. He should stay in GCW and not in the most important storyline that they have to present us with right now, which is the storyline. So, now that I think wraps us up. Robert, thank you so much for joining me. It was so fun to have you of on course, here today. Kate. Doing double do this duty this week. We appreciate you. Robert, where can the good people find you? You can find me everywhere at Dude Felice. I'm here every day on Fightful, writing up stories. Just keep supporting Fightful. Keep supporting Fightful Select. And yeah, I hope to be back on screen very shortly. Hell yes. And you can find me on Sour Graps right after this with Alex Pulowski, you can also catch me on Tuesdays with Alex during the NXT post show. He and I will also be doing a paywall pay-per-view post show for Death Before Dishonor, which I'm very excited about with the card that we got tonight. Uh, Wednesdays at the Mark Order podcast, and of course, Fridays, even when Sean is too scared to show up. I'm holding it down here. I'm getting to hang out with guys like Robert and Alex 2.0, our second Alex, and all sorts of fun co-hosts that we get to bring on in here. So thank you guys so much. Have a safe and wonderful weekend. We'll see you soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.